Hi, I'm Greg Potter, and this is 20-Minute Collaborations. Hey, collaborators. I hope you're having a great week so far. I am in the middle of a horrendous yet magnificent collaboration myself. I'm standing in my almost empty apartment that I've been in for the last seven years in Madison, Wisconsin. To get out of this apartment, it has taken the work of so many other people, including having a proper farewell send-off party of this apartment a couple nights ago. I believe it's very important that we find celebration in everything that we can, specifically the great turns in our lives. And a couple nights ago, having everyone over here was definitely that. Last week, I was in San Diego in Los Angeles, and I got to meet up with a lot of old friends and some other collaborators and some really influential people. This week, I'm sharing one of the interviews I had with Michelle Caputo. Michelle Caputo is a long-time middle-upper management guru of large companies that you would know of. I met her years ago in Los Angeles when we were working for the same company. She's also an entrepreneur. She is a big thinker. She's recently working on her Half the National Average project, which looks at what would we do if we created habits taking half the national average of TV watching in the country. I was busy trying to see people while I was in LA, so I didn't get to Michelle's until about midnight. And we interviewed at 1230, as you'll hear right away in the interview. This interview is really interesting because Michelle is writing the intro to one of the chapters of my book. So it's 12.30 in the morning. I'm sitting at a kitchen table in Los Angeles with my amazing friend, Michelle. Hi. Hello, 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 hello. (laughs) (laughs) And yes. Everybody's up at 12.30 in LA. Trust me. No one's up at 12.30. Everybody's up, Greg Potter. This is, if you do not know Los Angeles people, listeners, amazing humans, uh, this is actually kind of an early to bed city it is it's not new york it's not new york but yeah like i because we always get up early anyway i'm here visiting some wonderful human beings and tonight i got to the privilege to spend the night with michelle save the best for last Yes, and it sounds very... I threw, I threw myself. I threw, yeah, that was my own bone. I it sounds it very naughty because <laughs> yes, right. it's like I'm staying the night with you. <laughs> Clearly, the listeners by now know that Clearly, I'm they know you are man. staying the night with me. <laughs> yes. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Will you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I love that there's listeners. Um, I just love that anybody's listening to me. So a little bit about myself. I am a long-term worker. How about that? I'm a long-term worker. Uh, oh, I have lived, lived and breathed and worked in corporate America my whole life. 
Um, one of the rare people that stays with companies, I've had an 11-year stay, I've had a, uh, a four-year stay, and then I've had an 18-year stay with big, large corporations. And more, more recently, I've been in uh, mid-level upper management of a large um, food, food industry, food and beverage industry. You've also been doing some other interesting side projects, Constantly. so please talk about that before I invite you to, to share your story. Constantly doing side projects. So um, one of the things that I do just so that I can keep my brain sharp <laughs> from all that food and beverage industry business is I do projects every year or two. And um, like I've traveled to all 50 states, uh, and you interviewed me for that on a sec, um, uh, travel second degree. More recently, I'm doing half the national average. So what would you accomplish if you took half the national average of TV watching, which is 4.7 hours, and you took half of that and deliberately practiced something for a year every day, just two hours and 20 minutes. And so that's the project I'm working on, uh, been working on for the last couple of years, half the national average. Um, uh, also write poetry, children's books. You're about to publish a poetry book. I'm about to publish a poetry book, which is probably the story I'm gonna talk about today in, uh, for collaboration. Okay, well, listeners, if you're new to the podcast, I invite all my guests on to share a story where they work with a different entity or human being or however they want to define that to accomplish a common goal. So are you ready to get in the story? Yeah, sure. I mean, yes. I am. I'm never ready. I'm never Take ready, Greg. Take a drink. Hold on. I was trying to clank my ice very dramatically, but it just didn't work. I almost spilled on your phone. It's fine. Um, so my story. So my story. So it's a, I wouldn't say it's a, it's, it's a short story. It's a long story that I'm going to make very short. So my collaboration story is, um, I don't, I wanted to call it negative collaboration, but I don't think that's accurate. I think that most collaboration, I think any collaboration could be positive or negative. doesn't matter. But um, sometimes you get motivated by a negative experience. And in that negative experience comes collaboration. And sometimes, in this case, it was uh, really collaboration with myself. Collaboration of, I just went through a pretty traumatic um, breakup and it was not something that I wanted or you know desired. And so it was, and it was, a, it, I wouldn't say it was ugly in any means, but it was just underhanded, untoward. <laughs> I've always loved that word. And I squeeze it in whenever I can. Untoward. <laughs> I really need a British accent to make it more effective, but, or South African, you know, let's be true. Um, <laughs> those are actually a little bit better. Or Australian. No, that just sounds silly. Sorry for all those Aussie folks. But um, yeah, went, went through a terrible breakup. And I have gone through breakups, you know, throughout my life. But this particular breakup was traumatic for me. And I think because it was one of the, it was the only time that um, it wasn't mutual in any way, shape or form. And so the collaboration was opposite of collaboration. He, he, was, um, he, was, he was unfaithful and underhanded and um, I was unprepared for that. And so in that unprepared state and being kind of abandoned in, in a lot of ways, I had to collaborate with myself, but this poetry book that I wrote is a collaboration of the feelings and thoughts 
and processes of going through that relationship and then losing that relationship. And so when you talk about collaboration, I was just thinking, I have always wanted to complete a poetry book. Um, my brother and I had worked on one together quite a few years ago, but, and I've written short stories and I've written a couple children's stories, but I have not compiled a poetry book because it's just so emotionally grueling for me, for me. I mean, some people write happy, fun poetry and that's just not the way my art comes out. Usually I'm motivated by um, uh, darkness and it's like the healing process. And so this poetry book literally, I read, I read you one poem in the foreword and you had asked me an interesting question, like did it just come out straight as an arrow? And it did. And so in that collaboration for me, I could have never have accomplished that had I not gone through this experience and had I not gone through um, the flip side, right? The absolute love and adoration and, um, I mean, some of borderline worship, I'm honestly, <laughs> to tell you the truth, like of this human being and then being so devastated. That is what pulled feelings and thoughts and words out that I would never have access to had I not been part of that collaboration right. of that love. And also the tearing up of the love. So that is, I mean, that's the extent of my story. Okay. Well, I have a lot of questions. Oh my goodness. First of course up, you do. Because <laughs> we're always going to relate this unintentional collaboration to how we create more impactful collaborations. Right. And we're going to work on that. becoming more friendly with the word collaboration. So the first thing I'm going to ask is, was the collaboration with the book the collaboration of the story that you're telling or was the collaboration of the book really the result of a failed not failed a collaboration prior to the book so the book could not have happened so it is a result it's a result of the collaboration of myself of really not running away because i think that in other times when i've gone through this kind of pain I've just immediately uh, supplemented the pain or doled the pain by filling it in with something else, you know, either another person or uh, work. And I didn't do that. I purposely pushed all of that away and then collaborated. I, it, this is going to sound a little cheesy. I'm, I'm, I, mean, I don't even want to say it, but I mean, it's just true. I collaborated with all of those persons behind the today person and and tried to heal them it's that's not cheesy at all that's i mean we're doing that constantly i decided to sit down in this chair and how i look at it is i was collaborating with every person that's ever designed a chair that got the chair that you bought this chair to bring into this house and i know that does sound crazy but really that's how evolution and creation happens the reason i asked you that question was really um because it, we can't show up as our true authentic selves without the experiences that have happened before. And so right. your Absolutely. collaboration with your computer to write these words, to do this, you know, it's the same as if we hire someone at a new restaurant. We're looking at their resume to see what their experiences and their prior mm -hmm. collaborations were so we can validate whether they're worthy of us hiring them or not. And they're going to fit. Yeah, I would definitely say, I mean, I collaborated... Uh, in the poetry book, 
there is there is showing up of the five-year-old self the five-year-old michelle who was left by my father um and then the 12 year old self that was when my sister disappeared at 12 and like overnight and then the 16 year old self that when my mom left and took my brother but didn't take me and so i think having to process and go through all that and then put it all together in um really a very kind of genuine way that brought um i want to say power but I don't, I don't know. I think in the end it's powerful, but in the, in the midst of it, it's just honor. It's putting honor to the pain, putting honor to what you're really feeling, saying that this is, I'm not going to run from it. And this is really how bad it feels. Mm -hmm. And I just, I need to be reminded to breathe one more breath. And I need to be reminded to, to try to get to bed so I can wake up one more day. And that's really what this book was about. It was, it, it was about bringing honor to the people and to me in all those times in my life that I didn't bring honor to that experience, bringing honor to it so that I can live a different life. I love that. In that same respect, I'm thinking of two things and I just don't want to lose them both. The first question is, in that honor, how do you equate that to other more formal collaborations? in bringing honor to the other players and those collaborations. A big part of it is that I would not have listened to the five-year-old self until I went through this experience or the 12-year-old self. I didn't listen to the 12-year-old self. And so I think a big part of collaboration is shutting up and listening. So you don't have all the answers. I mean, it look, it took me till I'm 50, you know, I'm 50. And it took me all of those experiences because I didn't listen. I didn't listen to the five-year-old. I didn't listen to the 12-year-old. I didn't listen to the 16-year-old. The and I mean, and how many other experiences that I just didn't listen to. And so true collaboration happens when both parties are heard. And then you can move forward with a better picture of what is happening. And so 100% in... in in regular life, having your story, having your, your, your picture of where you are, but it's such a small picture of everything. Right. So you have to listen to everybody else and you have to honor what they're saying and what they're bringing to the table because you're never going to have something beautiful in the end unless you hear it all. Right. And how do you hear it all? How do you, like, how does each player hear it all? Like, what's the best tools for that delivery? Well, um, because you can't expect everyone to hear as well, listen as well as you do. No, no. I mean, I don't listen to as well as I do. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of different ways. It depends on the context of what we're, we were talking about, but in business, oftentimes what I found is that being able to read it later, you know, sometimes when you're talking, you can only capture so much. And so sometimes when that, you know, which is why people break, take notes, you know, that's why there's a note taker and that's why you can revisit in the collaboration. Like I missed that or I didn't see that or I was in an emotional state and I didn't notice that. Um, that's a big reason why I want to write a poetry book because I did not want to lose how I felt because I don't feel that way. I read it sometimes and I choke up, but I'm like, man, I could never write that today. Right. I could never write that today. So 
in is that what you're asking like in it real is. life and what i'm hearing though is the, the what i'm hearing is the answer of due diligence of doing yes. your due diligence to capture m- ensure that however anyone needs to learn the lesson or get communicated to the option is there for their best possible communication skills or yeah i I mean if you're talking like just as far that would be ideal right wouldn't it be ideal if some people could videotape somebody could audio somebody could write like depending on what their medium is to where you can truly collaborate in uh in um in the way that people are best meant to communicate, right? Some people are auditory, some people are visual, some people are kinesthetic. And so that would be great, but sometimes, I mean, our, I don't think our, our world or corporate America really is geared toward that. Like in collaboration in an office, it's all auditory. Right. We do have the option though. Do we do in have the option? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we need to visit that. Yeah. I think there needs to be, if we want to get to the right answer more quickly with less mistakes, we need to use all of those. There needs to be, and there should be facilitators to kind of help bring that together. I think ding, fa- ding, ding. facilitators really help to kind of bring all the pieces together. In my case, in my story, I had to be everything. I had to be the facilitator, I had to be the navigator, I had to be the note taker. And that's difficult. That's difficult and a little bit grueling. But um, but in, in corporate world, it would be great to have each one of those as roles and expertise. Completely. I love that you said the necessity of a facilitator because I'm always the cheerleader for always make a line item for an unbiased, objective facilitator. For sure. But I'm going to backtrack to your story for a second. And with you being the person that was playing all these roles, that also means that when you present this to the world as a vulnerable, naked human being, right? Yeah. you don't have anyone coddling you because you're a team no. of one. Yeah. So one, I would love you to speak to that vulnerability because when we collaborate and create a project and then hand it off, we're vulnerable. We're going to get yeah. critiqued. Yeah. We're going to get judged we're gonna get you know hopefully applauded as well but you know how does how does one deal with that? well i'll tell you um i've already had to deal with it a little bit so uh this i mean in my it is extremely vulnerable it's extremely raw and i when i did write it i didn't hold back um i i just i free flowed and i think i i needed to i needed to get it out i needed to get on paper but I did share it with uh, my older brother. I shared it with a few people, like a few key people. And I have to tell you, uh, my older brother was like, this is so, he gave me feedback only on one poem. And he was like, it's too much, I can't read it. So it was like too much for him to see me in this light. Like he always has seen me in this very um, vibrant and creative and no nonsense and completely through the roof and unafraid of everything. And so it was really hard for my big brother to see me in this terribly torn, broken state. And so um, I, I know it's going to be hard, but I think to your question, you know, how am I going to deal with it? Um, I The way that I navigate that is that having gone through that much pain, I just want one other person who is in that much pain to know that they're not alone. So it, they're not going to get it. 
You're not going to get it if you haven't been through that much pain, which is what the forward talks about. Like, I get it. You're not going to get it. And I just have to kind of cringe to be like, yeah, everybody can be that weak. I trust you. I promise you, you know, because nobody's ever seen me that way. I, you know, I'm a pretty strong woman. And so, I mean, you know, through the roof strong. <laughs> right. Completely. But also in that example with your brother, what I'm hearing is there's moments that we have to analyze. Like, are we able to carry this person to where we need them to be to understand? Or is it just not serving them it's and not serving us? them. Yeah, for me, it's just not serving them. And so I think my, it's not my audience. Yeah. You know, my audience is very, very um, small. It's the people that are, uh, they already feel so alone that they can't imagine that this life has anybody that understands them. It's very, very narrow. And because hopefully and thankfully, not a lot of people go through that much pain. You know, um, I think more people than we would wish. But, and so that's what it's really about. And then for people that need to be learn empathy, you know, like me, like I would... I would appreciate poetry like this because it's just like really seeing, wow, I can't believe before I'd gone through this, like, man, I really appreciate this person who's in this much pain and being, having the, the flowery or not so flowery uh, descriptions of pain. I think I'm pretty good at describing what pain feels like and, mm. you know, and um, abandonment and all of that. If this were a different type of a more intentional collaboration, and your brother, let's say, was, you know, completely out of the the lane, you know, stay in your lane. And would it matter if he was involved or not? Like, let's say it was a... Could he help home, me? What is it? It was a homeless initiative for people in Los right. Angeles, but he lives in Hawaii. Right. You know, would that matter if he was involved or not? I, I think that it wouldn't matter if it wasn't his little sister, you know? I mean, sometimes we get, we're just so, he, he was so hurt that I was so hurt. And so I think that is a big part of collaboration, right? Sometimes you do need to take your feelings out of it to be a good collaborator. So he wasn't, he probably wasn't the best collaborator in that moment because he couldn't get his feelings out of re looking at a different picture of me. So he could never give me the feedback that maybe it would have been helpful. But as, uh, if he could have been a true collaborator, then he would have had to put those feelings aside and really look at everything, the depth of it. Uh-oh. We're all good. We're over. It's fine. We're, we're good. My last piece to that <laughs> okay. is emotions are sometimes necessary or not like they get in the way, but sometimes they're necessary for getting buy-in of stakeholders. For sure. And so it's such a weird cost-benefit analysis. Yes. So um, for, for critical feedback or for collaborative feedback, you can't be so emotional that you can't look, you, don't, you can't even take a side, you know? Um, that is when your limbic system gets into a fear state to where you can't even use your prefrontal cortex to give feedback. And that's, I think, kind of what happens to some people. They get, they get so into a fear state that their limbic system takes over and now they're in fight or flight. And so they can't use their logical prefrontal cortex to give you collaborative feedback. But harnessing the emotion to where you can actually 
use it as a driver? Yes, absolutely. But um, in this particular case, I don't think that happened. But in your case, right, you could feel it. You're emotional when I read you, you know, the little bit that I read you. And, um, and you're able to, you know, help navigate me through my own feelings and my own thoughts about it. So Completely. I'm just giggling, listeners, at how she just got all biological. <laughs> I always do. What? I can't help it. <laughs> Michelle is an amazing researcher, and she's fucking so intelligent. I can say that for it on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. she just always brings her best self. So I try. Um, as we are now at the 22 minutes, uh, do you have any last thoughts on what we talked about or any aha moments that have come to to surface um i you know what just thank you for having me on your podcast i really i mean i'm always curious at what you're doing and i'm very excited about this book um great potter you fool (laughs) i feel like i've been saying that for decades now but you know now you're finally making it up you know real um, and I just would say we need more of this. We need more conversation, more dialogue, more books, uh, about collaboration because, um, it's not always pretty, but it has to happen. We live this world with people. And so, and it's not worth it without people. The world's not worth it without people. So there's your sound bite. So, so, so we got it. We got to collaborate. You know, it's not, it's very, very sucky alone. So. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> listeners, uh, Michelle, thank you so much. We're going to finish our drinks and we then gonna, it's time to go to bed. It is time so to go to bed. So thank you. Good night. Good night. Isn't it amazing what a couple of friends over some mezcal drinks can do at 1230 at night when they know each other well and can really dive into this shit. It's amazing. I did not expect that we would get that far into the listening and that part about honor and meeting people where they are by finding the ways that they can listen to each other and really get it. It's fantastic. And of course, me being a facilitator, I loved the piece about facilitation and then when emotion is important and when emotion is not. But really, it all came down to the end with we are we all live in this world and it's really sucky alone. So we need to learn how to collaborate. Well, if you can hear in the background noise, I'm at the airport. I'm about to head to South Africa. First, I'm going to get a fun interview with a friend in London tomorrow which hopefully will be up next week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope wherever you find yourself right now, you are collaborating well and strongly, and you're making sure that your needs and you are taken care of and that you feel loved, because that's where it's all got to start. It's all got to start with us and living our most authentic selves. Have a great week. You've been listening to 20-Minute Collaborations with international collaboration coach Greg Potter. If you're interested in working with Greg or finding out how he can help your organization, visit ggpotter.com. You can also follow him on all the social media at ggpotter. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get all of the collaborative ooey-gooeyness that you've been longing for your entire life. This is an Artemis Bow Productions podcast.